Hello, hello, and welcome back to Stumptown Radio, Stumptown Footies, Timbers, and Thorns podcast. I am your host, managing editor of Stumptown Footy, Portland Timbers, and Portland Thorns blog, Sam Sfiller, and we have a full house today, folks. We have three of my fellow contributors of Stumptown Footy, four of us total, uh, all on the pod today to chat about some soccer. I'm joined, uh, again, as always, by uh, Fook Wynn. How are you doing, Fook? Doing good. Doing good. Just told you all a really private story, and uh, we'll see how this pod goes. It was an amazing story, folks. Fook Fook is a wonderful human, and we love him, and we appreciate him. (laughs) Um, I am also joined, once again, by Alex Barnes. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing good. Full house in my new house slash apartment, so fully moved in pretty much, and yeah, excited to talk some soccer. Alex's takes will be so much better now because he's like, has his own space, new yes. house. He's just unbridled, unchained. You just bust them out. <laughs> It'll be. Um, and also joined by uh, Wilder Isom. Hello, Wilder. Hey. Yeah, I'm here again. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I've only seen the highlights of like the Timbers game. So we'll see how much I actually. You know, I bet those highlights are pretty entertaining uh, because. Uh, we're here to talk about that game. It was a resounding 4-1 to win for the Timbers in their home opener, their first game of the 2024 MLS season. Phil Neville's first game in charge with the Timbers. A lot of questions going into this game of what will Phil Neville's teams look like? What type of soccer will he play? Turns out the answer was just score a bunch of goals. Which, you know what? That's not a bad strategy. Uh, Timbers scored four first half goals just the second time in their MLS history that they've done so. The first time was in 2016 against the Seattle Sounders. Scored four goals in the first half, which is pretty cool. And then Saturday night was pretty cool as well. Um, Eric Williamson got the scoring going early in the ninth minute, followed by a brace from Anthony. Um His second goal was initially ruled offside. And then after a VAR check... Give him a second. Anthony also forced the fourth goal by uh, forcing an own goal with a cross. So I'm just going to call that the Timbers hat trick nowadays. You score a brace and then force an own goal because it's the second time that it's happened, which is bizarre. Sebastian Blanco did something exactly similar, but Anthony did it now. Um, And it was a pretty resounding, incredible win for, for the Timbers to kind of kick off their MLS seasons. Alex, I'll kick it to you first. And we were in the press box and you turned to me at some point. I think it was after the second goal or first goal. It said something to the effect of the Timbers are fun again. And I'm like, just wait until, you know, give it a few minutes, see what's going to happen, you know, before you maybe say that. And then two more goals happen. So, yeah. Are the Timbers fun again? (laughs) They certainly looked fun again. I had a great time watching soccer in Portland. Uh which aside from the thorns hasn't been, uh, I haven't been able to say a lot the last couple of years. Um, yeah, that first half, man, I, I could not believe just how different they looked than the team that we saw last year. Uh, starts out with Eric Williamson's opener, assisted by uh, Juan Mascara, who last podcast I predicted would be leading the team in assists. Uh, by the time the summer transfer window opened. So great start to the season for me personally. But I thought the goal was even better by Eric. Just, you know, calm, left-footed, top corner. Just a really awesome 
awesome way for him to return from uh, the double ACL injuries that he's had to recover from the last couple of years. So that was really cool to see. I know I saw Kelly Hubley was very excited on Twitter as well, um, which is always fun. Aside from that, yeah, Anthony, uh, just player of the match for me. He was electric. I didn't know what to make of him when the Timbers signed him last year, just because, you know, not much production in the Portuguese league, um, but he's young, you know, multiple people in the organization have called him the fastest Timber to have ever played, uh, which is high praise considering some of the names that have been here in the past. Um, so on the roster, it's like Darren Espria used to have that title. for Mascara. Yeah. Like so many players, uh, Brian Fernandez, like, the list Alvis goes on. Powell. Alvis Powell. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Alvis Powell, wherever he may be. I think he's, he's still Cincinnati. playing. I think he's still in Cincinnati. I think he okay. is. Shout Good out for Alvis. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, back to Anthony. Um, that that second goal in particular, just the way that he was sent through on goal, you know, the run in behind, that is so dangerous. And the Timbers haven't really had a player like that in a while that can chase down those balls. I mean, Nathan kind of does it, but uh, how much are you trusting him to bury at top corner like Anthony did um, on that finish? Uh, so that goal was awesome. Side note, I cannot believe that that got called offside in real time. Yeah. Like, it didn't look like it. It wasn't close on replay. It's just... MLS replacement refs going to MLS replacement ref. So um, it, it was a, a, a disappointment that we didn't get to have like the full arc of celebration from that. Like it's kind of the reality of the VAR age that there's yeah. always going to be a possibility that, oh, it might get paused and reviewed. And then you can still have your delayed celebration, which they did. I appreciated seeing like Phil Neville go from like zero sitting on the bench to like running off in excitement. Um, that was cool to see once the VAR call was made, once the goal was given. I agree with you. That that shouldn't have needed to be reviewed. Um, yeah. I get the caution. Um, yeah. Yeah, very fun to see Phil um, so animated the first game. Phil Neville, who, by the way, is a tracksuit head coach. Um, he is. Much much to the uh, disappointment of the, the fans of Gio Savarese, who always wore a, a suit or something very classy but you know i'm i'm a tracksuit head coach guy so that was kind of welcome for me to see um, like it's then, very like a sorry that that's a that's a a product of being in the pacific northwest and coaching in portland it's you know what it's gonna be wet it's gonna be cold and yeah it got cold on saturday night if you made it out to the stadium if you're out and about it was colder than we thought sorry go ahead alex i interrupted you Oh, no, you're good. Um, I was just going to say the the last kind of big takeaway that I had was James Pantemis in goal. Like so many people before the season started were complaining that the Timbers only signed goalkeepers. And I think last night was a testament to how important having a solid backup veteran MLS goalkeeper is. You know, he he was awesome. Like, Saved so many shots, very nearly kept that clean sheet. Zach was inches away from clearing that off the line, which was kind of unfortunate because I I didn't think the, t- the Rapids really offered much at all going forward the whole game, um, even though they, they did come into the match a bit more in the second half, which we can touch on. But yeah, those those were my biggest takeaways, I think. Yeah, I, I 
check to everything that you were saying. I think going back to also, I want to put it to Fook because I know Fook, you asked Eric Williamson in the press conference, just kind of his emotions about scoring. What was your take kind of on his journey, kind of his goal and kind of, yeah, just what you saw from, from the Timbers on, on Saturday night. Yeah, no, uh, I think my questions are very directed towards uh, emotions, obviously. Um, I think that's one of the best things about Eric. He's very honest and he's very um, forthcoming about his emotions. And one of the biggest things that we've always noticed about him is he's been back with the Timbers at training for the past like nine months. Even when he was hurt, he was still on the sidelines with his teammates and everything. That's just who he is as a person. You know, he's the 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 best teammate, you know, to all the guys and everything. He's always there for them. He always wants to keep learning, you know, um, things like that. So just kind of hearing from him how he kind of explained there's a lot of emotions involved and he was trying to like keep it calm and mild-mannered and everything like that was really cool. Um, and then just kind of seeing that goal go through for him, I think everyone was just kind of elated, just happy for him. Like that's kind of how the fan base is, which is really exciting. Just they they kind of like support you no matter what, through thick and thin. And just kind of seeing him play a role that he wasn't really playing often through preseason. Like, I know he, you know, Phil said he practiced probably once or twice as, as a 10. Like, that's insane. And then this guy just goes and crushes it. Um, so that was really cool to see. And I maybe I should have predicted he would have the most gold contributions uh, <laughs> this year. But uh, Santiago Moreno, while I don't know if his, I, I can't remember if any of his like passes were secondary assists or anything there, but he was pretty active. Yeah. Like, offensively. Maybe it wasn't like the pass before the pass. It was the pass. <laughs> before the pass, before the past, yeah. <laughs> before the past, he, he was, yeah. he was very active in advancing the ball. I think, you know, yeah. we kind of saw from him what we're kind of hoping to see. And it was from coming off of two seasons where Santi has kind of had to be the player to kind of like step up and kind of like, all right, I got to be the guy here. It was nice to kind of see him maybe take a little bit more of a secondary role and let Eric Williamson, let Anthony, let Christian Paredes, who was kind of like, you know, thrust into duty in the starting 11 um, yeah, take on more of a role. It should mention here too, Evander Timbers uh, number 10 was supposed to start. He was announced to starting. He came out in warmups and then uh, felt a little bit of tightness in his calf. And so then the team being super cautious, decided to hold him out. Predes came in that pushed Eric Williamson a little bit higher into that advanced attacking midfielder role and then good things followed, um, which which was pretty great. But yeah, Fook, you were saying Eric Williamson goal contributions. He was he was very active for sure. And you know, and honestly, everyone's rooting for him. I think that's the kind of the best part. He won a starting job over Paredes uh, technically during the preseason and just through the the lead up to the games and everything. So that was really cool. Seeing Ayala back was really cool. Uh, that was another key takeaway I had. I know he's three four weeks behind uh, Eric, but you know, just seeing him back at like both these guys back after their uh, injuries and rehab and everything like that. Cause one of the biggest things that people don't see is when we get to go to training, we see all these guys work out on the side and how much they're really involved with the team, things like that. Uh, and then I have to give a big shout out to Phil Neville as well. Uh, one of the big things we've heard all off season was how much the players really enjoyed the fact that he wants them to bond as a team more. The fact that his practices are really structured, things like that. So that's really cool that it, it kind of came to fruition. Um, and then I have a weird stat to share. Like, I understand this is mostly because the, the inflated second half from the Rapids, but the expected goals, Portland Timbers 0.45, Colorado Rapids 1.51. Um, and then Zach cl cleaned up. He had nine clearances in this game. So 
we already knew he was going to step up big time this season. So just kind of seeing him kind of already in mid-season form is really cool. And then obviously Anthony, like everyone's going to be talking about Anthony for rightfully so, but uh, just kind of seeing like what Phil saw preseason going, like just kind of go off right away. is really cool to see. So, but yeah. And then, yeah, just uh, a lot of good, a lot of great stories coming from this game, obviously, but you know, now they have another home game this weekend and uh, it's time to talk about something coming up. So we'll see. Alex, you, you had a point. Oh yeah. I was just going to say Tom Boger at uh, halftime tweeted that the Timbers had scored four goals from three shots on target, um, which was just, yeah, that, that clinical finishing is something we have not seen in a while. And it was a very welcome sight. Um, not watching Jimmy Chara try to play one too many passes or Yaroslav Nia's go to um, misplay one as well. So, yeah. Let the record show <laughs> it, it only took four episodes before Alex busted out the Jimmy and Yaro slander. Um, I think I actually <laughs> did uh, last podcast. You might That's have. Fair. You know That's what? <laughs> yeah, it might be an addition <laughs> by subtraction. So <laughs> You know what? Uh, that that phrase sounds familiar. So I would bet that would be true. Yeah, if Fook, like what you said to that point of, um, the the defense was you mentioned the ex- expected goals. I think the Timbers defense was very improved. Like I I don't know if the the rap even when the opening twenty minutes or so of the second half when the Rapids really were kind of pushing strong. Portland was kind of caught on their heels. Colorado pulled a goal back. Even then, it didn't feel super threatening. It didn't really feel like oh god the field is tilting. All of this momentum is against the Timbers. They're going to let one in. Oh, and if they let one in, they're going to let two in. They're going to let three. It never really felt like that. Maybe it was because Portland was up four goals. And when you're up four goals, you're probably going to win the game. Um, But it it never really felt like the Rapids were taking their shots or creating their chances from super like dangerous places. And I think, Fook, to the point that you raised, that's a credit to the defense. I mean, Zach McGraw and Kamal Miller... Eric Miller was also there, but Kamal Miller was the center back. Uh, they were a very impressive center back pairing. Alex Reppin, the Miller High Life on this pod episode. <laughs> Miller's time. Miller's time. Let's go. <laughs> Miller's time with uh, Kamal Miller and Eric Miller on the left side of the Timbers defense. It was um, it, it was very organized. It was very composed. I think defensively. Um, Obviously, because this is soccer, if Colorado scores, you know, two goals or three goals, we're talking about it a little bit differently. Like, oh, is the Timbers defense better? But on this night, it was good enough. And I think that's a credit to something that Alex raised as well. Um, Pantamas, his performance and goal kind of, you know, going into that was was also impressive. Um, Wilder, I know you said you you checked in on the game. Like you said, pretty, probably pretty entertaining highlights <laughs> from seeing. What were your kind of big, big takeaways or or things that, that you noticed from the game? Yeah, I mean, it was it's really fun. My apartment is like a block from Providence Park. So I was sitting watching a movie when when everyone was at the game. And I like I saw I heard kickoff and all of a sudden, what, eight minutes later, I was like, wow, they're cheering already. And I checked the score. I was like, wait, they scored. So it's really fun on this side of things to be like, that's how kind of how I keep up with um scores for Timbers games. Is Just like the sounds. Of the, that's amazing. Like, it I is, think it's yeah. We need to have like that as a recap just on the side of like the sounds of the game from Wilder's apartment. How do you think this game went just based upon it? That'd be incredible. There you go. Yeah, I'll not check scores and just be like, well, based on the it's also funny. I can see the cheese sign. So I'm like, okay, they're up one. It's sharp cheddar. (laughs) My favorite part. 
Um, we hit ice cream. Bad. We hit, I think, yeah, we hit, we hit two different types of ice cream. I think I you think got was. just, was it strawberry? strawberry ice I think that's cream. the fourth one. Gosh darn. <laughs> um, but yeah, so aside from that fun experience, uh, watching the highlights, they were, well, three very good goals from us, which is great to see because they're a bit like decisive. Williamson's, he's wide open in that space and you just put it away. Like that was great to see and starting off that strong. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of our goals came from being like in the right spot in the box and having those crosses come in. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a really fun, fun game to watch, which like, um, yeah, like Alex said, fun to watch Timber soccer again, which from the outside perspective is great because, yeah, I like when all of our teams do well. And especially for a home opener to have that kind of energy and with a new coach and everything, I feel like it at least kind of starts us off on the right foot. Um, but yeah, so it's exciting to see kind of where that'll go, hopefully. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> something you said, players being in the right spots, that's significant because I think you could argue for the past couple of years, a lot of players weren't maybe in the right spot to collect crosses, to be in the right spot to score, right? Like, I, I don't know if many players make that same run that Eric Williamson did to score his first goal there. I think that is... uh a testament to, like Alex mentioned, I think Fook mentioned as well, Neville's coaching, which, yeah, you, you brought it up while there. It was, it was a good start for him. It was really a, a good start to kind of the Phil Neville uh, era in, in Portland. It was, as far as winning home openers go, I believe the status, he's the first Timbers head coach to win their first game in charge of, of the Timbers. You know, John Spencer didn't do it. Caleb Porter didn't do it. Geo didn't do it. I think his first game was, I think, like a 3-1 or 4-1 loss, actually, under under Geo. And now, yeah, Neville's the first one to do that. Fook, do you want to speak to kind of some of the stuff that Phil Neville said after the game? Because, you know, we, we got a chance to hear from him post-game, his first post-game comments. And yeah, he opened it with, with something significant. Yeah, I think it was really cool that he dedicated the game to um, former Timbers Army member uh, Benson. Um, I think... Just these little things that he uh, like, he really tries to go out of his way for, you know, like for the supporters and everything like that. He's made it very clear that he wants to have a great relationship with them. And there's a really good piece by Tom Bogart from The Athletic of how he, you know, went out of his way for the Timbers Army, had really tough, tough conversations that needed to be had, things like that. So he's done everything he's supposed to as the head coach. And I even saw him commenting on the Thorns kits today, uh, which is really funny. Uh, but no, he's just active kind of, on Instagram. I, yeah. I, it's, it's something I've noticed too. I'm like, huh, okay, cool. Yeah. You're posting on Instagram. All right. <laughs> um, but no, that's just, we, we've kind of got to see like his uh, kind of like his, this new Phil Neville come out. Um, it's really cool to see that because he's made it very clear what he wants to do. He wants to be part of the community. He wants to be part of, you know, listen to the supporters. He wants to listen to every single person. Um, and he really shared a great quote with us during the presser. He said it really felt he he feels like this is home to him. It really does. And he also said that it felt like a Champions League match to him. So I think just kind of these words really mean a lot. I, I think especially to just kind of a lot of people who had hesitancy and still do. But, you know, he's slowly doing what he's supposed to to kind of like build the goodwill. Um, so I think that's really cool. But just kind of these little things and these big things that he's doing. I know it's a tough time for the Timbers Army, so it's sending our positive uh, vibes uh, to everyone affected. That was a really cool moment to kind of hear. You know, that that was the first thing that he said unprompted, kind of bringing that up. Um, you know, the pessimists might say, oh, he's just trying to save face, trying to show himself fault. I mean, we were Alex Fook. We were in the room. It felt genuine. Like, 
the sense that I got from Phil Neville is that he 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 gets where he's at. <laughs> he understands that how how much the Timbers and the Thorns just how much soccer means to people in in Portland um, and the impact that it can have and the sense of community that it creates, which, you know, you're kind of seeing come together, obviously due to a tragedy, but you're seeing come together um, with, uh, with, with Benson's pass passing. And, you know, that, that came out that he, he understands kind of what this is about. Um, we only have about 90 minutes of tape <laughs> of, of how his team is actually going to play. And the MLS season is very long. And I think he said something during the press conference about talking about the Timbers depth. He's like being ready for yeah, the 50 or 55 games. And I pause and I'm like, there's no way they're going to play 50 games. Right. And then I thought about it. I'm like, they might play 50 games <laughs> if they go into deep in some competitions and make the playoffs, knock on wood. Hopefully they play 50 games. That, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be great. I, I pray for their hamstrings, the players' hamstrings, and obviously their knees. But yeah, if they're playing 50 games, it means they're doing something right. Um, but, you know, we, there's a lot of time, and inevitably, Portland will go through a rough patch. They will be tested. The team will be challenged. Um my main worry for this team is their depth at the moment to kind of transition as I'm kind of talking about, you know, moving forward. There are some things that this team still, you know, a home win is great. Like, I think if you're going to pick any of the early games to win and establish good vibes, it's that home opener. If you do that, cool. The vibes are back up for one night. Felt like Providence Park was like alive. That's Wilder heard <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from her living room. I, I think it's, it's, that's great. And th there's a lot of soccer left to be played. And because of that, you know, Portland's depth is going to be tested. Um, like we said at the top here, Evander had to go out. Eric Williams had to step in. Outside of that, there's not a ton of attacking midfield depth for the Timbers. There's not a ton of winger depth for the Timbers. Um, you know, if Anthony can ball out, amazing. He's still a young player. And with young players always comes the risk of inconsistency. So, for me, that's one of the big things that I'm going to be looking at moving forward is their depth, seeing how well they manage with it, especially, you know, as we kind of get into the rhythm, the grind of, of the MLS season. Yeah. Um, another piece of depth that uh, Phil made a comment on in the post game is uh, about Felipe Mora. And he said they don't expect to have him for like three to four weeks, which is not how it sounded last week in training at all. Like I thought maybe, you know, it'd be touch and go. Maybe Felipe makes the bench for last weekend, but three to four weeks is a lot different than, than that. And, you know, we saw Dyron play striker very effectively. Um, and it should also be noted that, um, Phil or uh, Ned Grabovoy's comments about the DP being seven to 10 days away. Today is day seven of that. Um, so unless something happens by the end of the weekend, it, it's looking like it could be longer than that seven to 10 days. And, you know, if your striking options are Dyron Espria playing out of position, Nathan Fogasa and Tega Ikoba, I'm, I'm not sure how confident I am in, the goal scoring of that magnitude to continue. You mentioned it. it's good to give credit. Darren Espria did a very commendable job in kind of like the makeshift center forward role. He had a couple of good moves, a couple of passes that created space, which did lead to goals. And I don't want to trust Darren Espria at center as the center striker for, you know, long-term. Like that's great that he can do it, but that's not, that shouldn't be the, the long-term solution, which obviously it's not. The Timbers are still, 
looking for that DP number nine. We keep, you know, keep being told it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, looking ahead to kind of just the Timbers next kind of, you know, three to four games. Um, they have a home game this upcoming weekend against DC United. Then they have their first away game where they're going all the way to Yankee Stadium to play NYCFC on the ninth. Yep, that's on the on the tiny little matchbox. And then they head down to Houston <laughs> to play the Dynamo on the 16th, which is always, usually, almost always, a house of horrors. Um, the At last least time, it's not Texas in the summertime. That is true. That could have, it could be a lot. There's always one of these kind of like early games where I'm like, cool, I'm glad we're getting one of the Texas teams out of the way. <laughs> um, and if you remember, last time the Timbers were in Houston, Gio Savarese lost his job. So hoping it goes a little better this time around. But you're using a point, Alex, that there is some forward and some depth questions to be answered. Yeah. And also the last time they played early season in Texas was uh, Dallas last year. And don't look up that result. <laughs> Everybody tore their ACLs. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Everybody tore their ACLs. I think that was the same game where both Ayala and Eric Williamson got hurt, which is not great. Um but still, despite the injuries that the Timber squad is currently facing, they're three points, you know, technically top of the West White right now. <laughs> Enjoy it while we can. Um, moving forward, Fook, is there anything that you're kind of like thinking about or watching for the Timbers that, you know, could be areas that they need to work on? Anything to kind of like keep your eyes on as they kind of like enter into the MLS season? Yeah, um, Phil brought up today during um, uh, tr after training, I think Jeremy shared it. Uh, shout out to sports guy, Jeremy. Um, so one of the big things he brought up was possession um, and just kind of wanting them to hold the ball more. E even Eric Williams said, uh, Eric Williamson said the same thing. They did not do a good enough job uh, keeping more possession um, and keeping the ball at their feet and trying to kill off the game a little bit better. Um, so that's what I'm looking at for sure. And then I do have a question for all you all is so the announced attendance was a 21 and some change so is that a thing that you guys expect to continue um or is that just kind of like a one-off because i know last year during a winter storm like i know during february it's really tough for people to get up to games and stuff so just curious where your thoughts are on that i think if the timbers keep winning people start coming to the games i think that's the big thing is if, if they keep getting results that does create an energy I think the home opener, you can always kind of rely on there being like a good, a good sized crowd. Um, and moving forward, if the Timbers keep winning soccer games, I think more people want to come watch. And if we're being honest, that's probably above all else, what Phil Neville and what Ned Grappleboy want is they want there to be an excitement around the team again. They want there to be energy. They want them to be winning games and winning the playoffs, obviously making the playoffs. Um, but I, I think they kind of like, like, Ned's smart. He knows the vibe around the Timbers right now isn't the greatest in the wake of the Paul Riley investigation, in the wake of kind of the last couple of seasons. He knows that there's kind of this, a little bit of a cloud kind of still, even with the Phil Neville hire. Like, I think he knows kind of what's going on. So, you know, at the end of the day, when we're talking about soccer we're talking about soccer like if they're winning games there's going to be a lift in the energy and i think that'll lead to greater attendance as well yeah love to hear what what other folks think around that as well yeah i couldn't agree more with what you just said about winning games um you know i think for a lot of people kind of last year second season in a row missing the playoffs head coach getting fired bringing in a head coach that maybe not everybody was super excited about in phil neville um you know, that probably 
contributed to it not being a sellout for the opener. And uh, I think I I agree with you, Sam, in that if they keep winning games like that, it's going to draw more and more people back in. Um, and that was about as perfect a result as Phil Neville could have asked for, even though he described it as a 7 out of 10 performance, uh, which was also kind of re refreshing to hear. Just not a cookie cutter, oh, we played well and, you know, we, we looked very good. Uh, in, in previous regimes where, yeah, the quotes yeah. are very positive, which I respect. And also, it's not always positive. Yeah, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Wilder, I, I don't know how you're feeling about kind of like attendance, the energy, how it kind of might go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys have pretty much covered it. I feel like home openers always have that um, energy. And especially with this season being so like, with the new coach and, and everything. I feel like there is a new energy, um, which is exciting. And yeah, we have, I mean, obviously you have players who are injured, but with like Will Eric Williamson coming back, we, it feels kind of like a new start. So I feel like that is definitely a, a good sign for attendance, but obviously a result, it's more fun to go to a game if you're probably going to win. So I think that'll definitely kind of change the, the outcome. But I think this season hopefully is yeah one that people keep attending i i agree i hope so as well i think we all it's much more fun to cover soccer teams when they're playing well <laughs> when they're winning the the thorns have been blessed with consistently playing well um and the timbers yeah consistency if they reach consistency this year i'll call that a success um reach consistency and reach the playoffs um like we've said there is a lot of soccer to be played there were some things in this game. We mentioned the second half. Fuku talked about possession. The Timbers, part of this was due to the game state. They did not maintain possession very well. I mean, they didn't really have to in the second half. But sounds like Phil Neville wants his teams to be able to, uh, you know, kill a game off with being able to kind of control it rather than just kind of like defend in their laps, which we have seen the Timbers do a lot of in the past few years. So the question remains of whether they will be able to develop that the question remains as to whether injuries will resolve themselves. Alex, you mentioned Felipe Mora probably will be back in a few weeks. Evander is probably still a question mark. Um, sounds like he didn't. I think I saw that he didn't train today. Right. Man. Yeah. He didn't train in full. Um, not as worried about that considering Eric Williamson's performance and how that was very impressive <laughs> with, with what he did in that advanced kind of creative free midfielder kind of role. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you guys is with Eric looking so good in that 10 role and Christian Paredes playing so well as a box to box guy, how does Phil Neville optimize that midfield when Evander does come back? Because that was one of the best Eric Williamson performances I've ever seen. Uh, goal and an assist, uh, and he just ran the show. He's doing back heels. He's, you know, he looked awesome. He's supposed to have back heels in the first five minutes. Yeah. Like, that was like in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, I was, so, I yeah, want to get your guys' thoughts on that. <laughs> I was, like, questioning whether to, like, tee this up, but I'm like, all right, we're just going into it. Yeah, I, I want to hear from you all first. Yeah, Fook, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I would love to see some version, like a 4-4-2 with with Anthony playing more as a winger, like a like a wide forward, um, just because then you can start all four midfielders at the same time. And I think that's where the strength of, of this team is anyways, in the back line, right? So 
Um, so that's where I would like to see them. Uh, I know that's a weird formation to kind of say, uh, especially out loud, but just kind of putting I think you have to put all your best players out there. I think that's the best way. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, talk me through that with all four of the midfielders. What, what, like, lay out that lineup for me. Yeah, so, yeah, of course you would have your, like, you would have probably your four back. I'm assuming that's what Phil's going to ride right now. So you'll have Miller's time on the left. Uh, then you'll have JDM and then Zach on the right. Uh, and then for the, at the six, you'll have, of course, you have Diego. And then a little bit, like, next to him, you'll have uh, Paredes for the most part. And then you'll have Eric as a, like, you'll have dual eights or dual tens, whatever you want to call them. Uh, with Eric and Evander, and then your forward will be Felipe Mora, or I guess in this case, Dairon, uh at the moment, and then you'll have Anthony playing as more of a wide winger, the way uh, Morgan Weaver plays for the Thorns. So you're saying Perez would still be benched. Is that kind of what you're throwing out there? Oh, no, he would be playing. Uh, with the, what, Did I forget something? So you're saying a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Red Bulls. Four, and then four midfielders, and then two forwards, yeah. 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 Okay. It's a conundrum. It's it's a good point that you raise, Alex, of trying to fit all of those midfielders in there. Because you, you basically, the, the problem we're talking about is you have essentially four midfielders for three roles and then two pairs of midfielders which play the same role, <laughs> essentially. Um, and the question is, how do you get the best out of each position? Um, if I'm Phil Neville, I'm maybe not going to rush a Vander back. If, if that's kind of where I'm at right now, maybe let him take his time, get that, get that calf fully healed. Um, and that's what he said post game too. He said uh, he'd rather him be out for a game than a month to six weeks. So sounds like they are taking the cautious approach with him. And I think that's an even easier decision after watching Eric Williamson last weekend. Agreed. I, I think it's important too, that nobody, us Phil Neville Timbers fans uh, take too much from one performance. Eric Williamson played extremely well. The Colorado Rapids did not play extremely well. They were extremely disconnected. There was a uh, there was essentially no real connection between their midfield and their forward line. Their defense was in shambles. Um, I think I saw Chris Reifer, um, Sumtown alumnus, I will say as well. Um, Chris Reifer put out a, a tweet thread talking about um, Keegan Rosenberry, Colorado's fullback, and how in his past two trips to Portland, uh, he has been beat for speed multiple times. <laughs> so he also didn't have a very good game. He got burned on, uh, I think it was Anthony's goal. Um, one and of what his... about Zach Steffen? Oh boy, that's Alex noted. Zach Steffen's super fan was in shambles <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> um, he, he and nobody on the Rapids really played well. I, I think. I, I was following along some of the tweets from our friends at Burgundy Wave, Rapids blog, and, and yeah, they were feeling feeling a little down. Um, I get it. We would be we have been in the same place and <laughs> stuff down footy. So we get it, guys. Stay tough. Um, but to that end, I, I don't think we should be anointing Eric Williamson as oh, we need him Sullivander tomorrow, right? Uh it, it it's tough to see, like, you know, I the Rapids were not prepared for Eric Williamson to play a 10. I would argue they were probably more prepared for Vander to be there. They're different types of players. They play a different style. So it remains to be seen how effective Eric Williamson can continue to be at the number 10. Maybe he's not, um, you know, Evander was signed for a reason. The Timbers dropped a record fee because he can bring some, the theory, theoretically, he can bring something that no other player in the roster can. Um, 
the question is if we can still see it. And so, you know, I think we still need a lot more data to kind of see who can play there and who is going to be more effective. Um, and I have no doubt that this will be a conversation that we will be revisiting in some time. Yeah, Wilder, I'm not sure if you have a perspective on, on Williamson or Evander there. I feel like the nice thing about early season games and having kind of that depth in the midfield, if everyone's back and fit, is you can kind of play around with it a little bit, make some subs, see kind of game to game who's doing well in that case. And and so one nice thing about crazy long MLS season is you do have some time to figure it out at least. Um, and knowing not everyone's going to be out healthy every game, it's a little bit reassuring to have this issue with the midfield. Um, so yeah, I can't speak specifically, but I feel like just testing out what works and making those subs at half for the 60 minute and kind of seeing if that brings energy. Um, Cause yeah, midfield is a, a tough position. So being able to have that like midway through the second half, a burst of, of energy is super helpful. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Who, who gets put where. That's a great point you raised. And, and Neville talked a little bit about that afterwards. I think Eric Williamson was the first sub on Saturday night at around minute 74 or something like that. Um, and yeah, I think he he's still working his way back from fitness, right? Like, I think he just returned to like full training, I think in around January, um, you know, right at the start of preseason. So he's probably still building up that like consistent fitness. So we need to catch up to that. So that's a good point of like, it's never a bad thing to have options. <laughs> it just comes down to when you reach that point in the season, which, you know, for the Timbers, it usually comes in around, oh, July, June, where you have to start winning games. <laughs> Otherwise, the season's done. Um, but once you reach that point in the season, you know, consequential, you know, quote unquote, must win games. Who's your best 11 guys? And you're right, Wilder. It could change. You know, their best 11 guy is next week against DC is going to be different than their best 11 guys in a couple of months when they play Seattle um, and a couple of months after that. So there's a lot of kind of questions to, to be said kind of about the Timbers moving forward. And we'll find out some of those answers to those questions uh, when they play uh, their next matchup. They're playing DC United still at home uh, at 7.39 p.m. kickoff, if you want to be specific. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> uh, on Saturday at Providence Park, um, the DC United, we won't dive too much into the preview here, but coming off a hat trick performance from the great Christian Benteke, <laughs> which I had to be reminded, oh, right, he still plays in MLS. He plays in MLS now. Um, so going to be tough to happy he plays in MLS and not for Liverpool <laughs> anymore <laughs> because that means that he gets to thrive in MLS and Liverpool needs to um and Liverpool gets to be Liverpool speaking of Liverpool the red side of Portland the Portland Thorns is that a transition that works I don't know we're gonna roll with it released today on uh, recording this on on Tuesday uh, their new jerseys, their new slate of jerseys for the 2024 NWSL season. Um, the I believe it's Forever Thorns or Forever. Yeah, Forever Thorns primary and uh, Reflection secondary. The Forever Thorns jersey, a very stark bright red with some yellow and gold accents. Um, and the Reflection being kind of like a darker blue to black kind of fade, uh, kind of gradient New Jersey's will say their New Jersey release was part of kind of a league wide refresh. So a lot of these jerseys were kind of based off of that Nike Nike template thing that they like to do. Um, I think I saw the secondaries that I think uh, Kansas City secondary and Gotham secondary are literally the same shirt 
but with slightly different logos for them, uh, kind of like a white kind of faded to kind of like, like a teal kind of like light blue. Um, and with that being said, you know, the thorns try to make them as, as thorns as they can, because we are all fans of the teams. And because we all have kit takes, we all have opinions to share. I'm, I'm going to kind of clear out out of the paint right now and leave it for Alex to take the first shot. Cause I know Alex has just as he had strong feelings about the nature unites jerseys. He's got he's got feelings about about the Thorns jerseys. And unlike the Nature Unites jerseys, I absolutely love especially the the red ones, the Forever. Yeah, right? Forever Thorns. Yeah. yeah. The red that Forever kit. Oh my gosh. Red and gold. Like what I couldn't ask for anything better than that. I feel like they made it specifically for me. I love the accents on like the the sleeves the little like golden triangles um yeah i'm such a fan of that kit i'm definitely gonna get one with sam coffee on the back um the reflection kit i like as well i'm not as big a fan of that one but i just like the they're they're very like clean and sleek to me in a way that maybe the uh, nature unites kit wasn't (laughs) so i love them both yeah yeah Wilder, I saw you nodding along a lot with what Alex was saying. I know you have you had strong feelings about this too. We we were slacking about this this morning. Yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I like them. I feel like not as much as Alex, that's for sure. I think we're used to the thorns red being like a darker red, which I like a lot, and it's worked so well with like all the black um, kits we've done. And so I was, it was kind of a shock to see that like change in in color palette um i think yellow goes nice with it it again doesn't feel super thorns um i do like the like the details on the sleeves i feel like so much with nike kits is it's like yeah like that cookie cutter a lot of them are kind of similar which is a bummer because we've had such cool ones in the past i do like the tattoo jersey i have it with klingenberg's name on it um but like like the classic like black with the gray roses those are so good. And I feel like Thor- Portland's always so good at having jerseys that are like kind of out there and everyone has opinions on them. And this year I feel like everyone's kind of like, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> they're, they're, they're different. And I think it's always different to seeing them on the field. It'll be fun to have that bright color. Um, those little accents are really fun. The reflections. I don't really know why we have a blue to black gradient. It again is not a Thorns color. Um, it looks nice. It's a very clean jersey. Um, I do like the gradient. It's at least not just like a black shirt practice looking jersey. Again, I'll kind of want to see that one in person because I couldn't tell if it was blue or gray or or what. Um, but I think I think they're both very solid jerseys. I think I gave them like seven out of ten. Um but yeah, but I also did like the the new Timbers jersey, so goes to show that I also I feel like I like most most jerseys. Yes, I I think I'm with you that if like if it's doing something interesting, if it's doing something cool, I'm down. I did come around to the tattoo kit the last year. I I initially was like, eh, but I'm like, you know what? It's different. I, I I think that any team that tries to do something different deserves credit. Now the execution does matter. And as we had a discussion last week about the Nature Unites kit, the execution of that maybe wasn't as strong. Um, the execution here, it's clear that there was an idea, right, with having like the bright colors. Like Wilder, I want to ask you, you know, it sounds like down the road, 
teams will have a little more influence in their jerseys in kind of what's going to happening. Would you want to see the Thorns continue to go back to do something kind of like crazy out of the blue? Do you want them to continue to kind of maybe keep the like a cohesive design? Like where would you like to see the Thorns kind of go with their jerseys kind of down the line? Yeah, I feel we peaked with the was it 2021-22 season with the the black and gray roses. I have that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. So it's so good. I also didn't mind the the black with their like red thorns. I feel like keeping it, it we have such cool imagery with our our logo and so if we really really lean into that um i know was it chicago last year that had like the skyline i feel like we could do something really cool with yeah. skylines we have bridges i feel like there's so much we could lean into um that would keep it interesting because we've seen the likes of like san diego doing really cool stuff with their kits this season um orlando kind of came out of the blue and i really like what they did with the oranges the oranges that's incredible um, <laughs> it's fun to see racing louisville i really liked totally wasn't expecting that but Argyle, i Argyle, yeah yeah can't go wrong um <laughs> but i don't know seeing teams kind of lean into the places that they are playing for is really cool so i love a good homage to to the city or, or just something you're known for um i think we could do a really cool something with coffee Especially with Sam Coffey on the team. I don't know. Portland's known for so many things. Um, but yeah, I think, right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's always fun to see what, what teams do with their jerseys. And I I rarely have a bad thing to say. So unless it's really bad, then if, you have, if I don't like a jersey, something's really wrong, I think. Can't wait for that. Coffee day. Unite kit. There we go. Coffee <laughs> Unites. That, that means two things. Um, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. You raise a good point, Wilder. I'm surprised there hasn't been like a bridge themed jersey with either team. Because, yeah, there's like, there's so many iconic ones. Like, you know, you can do a bunch with like the St. John's Bridge, even because that's like the most distinctive kind of like this like profile there. So that is interesting. So, yeah, if you're taking notes, Nike and Bethel family, there you go. We got your next jersey signed up. All right, Fook, you're making many facial expressions with many of the jersey takes that were just thrown out. So I'm going to clear it again. Hit, hit me with them. Well, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it really short. My initial reaction today and still reaction is the word mid, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> um, and here's the thing. like, It doesn't really feel Portland Thorns to me at all, either kit. I think the just not having the traditional red, I'm glad they did something different. But Sam, you and I are very on the same page that we like uh, designers going for jerseys. Like even if it doesn't work out, at least they went for it. I know Alex and I, I know Alex and everyone else disagrees with that, uh, which is totally fine. Uh, but the, yeah, no, I just don't like the reflection kit. Really pisses me off the most, honestly, just because it, like, it just it doesn't make any sense to me why it's there should be nothing blue related at all. Uh, you know, like I understand it's called, I think it's called asphalt, uh, what slate or something. I think that's the color name or the or Nike. So just kind of, yeah, you know, like nothing's ever gonna match twenty twenty. So I don't know why I got my hopes up for any reason. But yeah, I was a little harsh with the reflect kit. But I think, uh, I think the the Liverpool kit, as as Alex calls it, uh, is growing on me for sure. I, I put it at seven out of ten, but. I would probably bump this up once I see it more on the pitch. So I, I kind of like it more and more every time I see it. So, but yeah, no, it just, I thought it was very like tame uh, for Jersey releases. And I think like, I think Orlando and Chicago always brings the heat for their kits. I think Orlando has one of my favorite kits too. Uh, a few years back, I think it was like, the space one or something. 
Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely some cool kits this year for sure. Um, but I, I don't think Portland is should be included in the top half. To as, as the fan of the other side of Liverpool here, I got to point this out, Everton. I'm just gonna kind of throw out editors that we are not referring to it as the Liverpool kit. I'm sorry, Alex. You can in the safety of your own home. Who is we? <laughs> all of us <laughs> as the kids say um no i i think it's it doesn't feel like no matter what the thorns do there's always going to be some sort of strong opinions on the kits whether it's good bad positive whether it's too safe whether it's too strong which i think is a good thing good place to be i would rather have the teams that we're supporting have strong like you know have kind of like a reputation um the athletic i think it was meg linehan steph yang and, and brooks brooks peck had um kind of like a take of all of the jerseys kind of ranked them into their tiers and i think they dinged the thorns just because they're like we expect more from the thorns so they've kind of set the bar a little bit high and now they're like oh great now we're now we're being graded on a curve which i think is, is fair i think it's a good place to be in like a high curve um it's definitely fair, and uh, like the Bathals won't have their like their inspired kits until twenty twenty six, most likely, unfortunately. Right? So. Yeah. Like, like I think I mentioned, this is kind of like a, a league wide refresh, so a lot of the teams are kind of like starting from a base standard, and it sounds like as the years progress, there will be more room for variation. There will be more room for kind of you know creative license. Hopefully, Nike actually gives the keys <laughs> to these teams to actually kind of be able to do that, which. We'll see how much that is. But if the Thals are backing up, if you know, if they're going to back up what they say with words, yeah, I expect something bold and unique and, and cool. And um, I think I think they have the the right. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. And I think I agree that seeing these on the field will be the big kind of test for me. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the the red jerseys on the field because, yeah, I think they'll, they'll really stand out. Players on the field who have also been standing out, again, transition, I'm trying, folks, um, have been some Thorns International players. Uh, the CONCACAF uh, W Gold Cup has been rolling along, and man, it has been a heck of a tournament so far. There's a number of Thorns that are with their international teams right now at the tournament. Uh, with the U.S. Women's National Team, obviously, we have Becky Sauerbrunn, Sam Coffey, Sophia Smith, and Olivia Moultrie, who we chatted about a couple of weeks ago on this show. Um, with Mexico, we have Reina Reyes, who has been mostly kind of a reserve player, but she's with the team. She's She's been part of the Mexican national team setup, which is cool. And then with Canada, of course, we have uh, the new Canadian captain, I believe, uh, Jesse Fleming, who has been, you know, with, with the team as well. Um, and it has been a, yeah, a heck of a tournament. I mean, obviously, all of us are the most familiar with the U.S. Women's National Team. First game, they went off. Olivia Moultrie scoring her first two uh, senior international goals. Um, second game, Thorns didn't play as much, but they definitely still, you know, it, the U.S. Women's National Team rolled to a, a big win. And then, um, I believe it was it was it Sunday evening or, yeah, I think, or was it Saturday? I'm trying to remember when the U.S. Women's National Team, Saturday, yeah. On Saturday, bit of a shocker, U.S. Women's National Team losing to Mexico two to two to zero. Which, if you're following U.S. versus Mexico, that's that's a dose of cero, folks, and not the one that U.S. fans are used to. Um, yeah, I know Wilder Fook. I know y'all watched a little bit of this game. Um, your thoughts, just in general, on how one how maybe some of the Thorns players on the U.S. Women's National Team were playing, and then just on the U.S. Women's National Team, just just in general, there. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, that game against Mexico, it was, Mexico played so well. There was really not a lot you can say about them. It was fun. Yeah, a fun game to watch from their side. <laughs> the U.S., I wasn't able to fully watch, so I've seen clips and I followed updates. It looked like that first goal was a mis, like, not miscommunication, but with Becky Sauerbrunn making kind of a, an error, which we don't see often. So that was kind of crazy. And then just a well-placed rip after the, the ball wasn't cleared away that it was a well-placed goal. Um, yeah, I think Mexico really deserved that win. Um, the Thorns players who were on the team, I don't know. I like there. I don't have a lot of things to say about that U.S. side um, against Mexico because they were going in so strongly with like six nil wins. Um, Olivia Moultrie doing so well and we kind of had that motivate like steam built up. And I was hoping that we would take that into to this game against Mexico. It was kind of fun though to see it cemented as a rivalry game because beforehand I was like, they're calling it a rivalry game. I don't know if it really feels very rivalry. I think they're really pushing that. And then when the game started, I was like, oh, no, this is this feels like a rivalry game. And it's kind of exciting to see other teams do well, especially with we have Reina Reyes down there. I was bummed we didn't get to see her on the pitch, but cool to see kind of thorns elsewhere. Canada played really well. Jesse Fleming, I think she did have a missed penalty, but she was the captain. And that's awesome to see. And they still won, I think, 4-0. Former Thorn, uh, Adriana Leone, I think, had a hat trick. So she it kind of counts. But overall, very good soccer that we've been been able to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see, like, this this tournament, I think, has been really cool to kind of see because you are seeing a lot of kind of, like, it's kind of a continuation of kind of what we saw with the Women's World Cup where a lot of the other, like, a lot of the women's teams in the world, you know, kind of, quote-unquote, catching up with the teams that are historical powerhouses and um, being impressive, I think, the Thorns' performance, well, obviously, it's it's disappointing to see yeah, maybe Bikasarvan make a mistake. You know, I think it sounds like the midfield had a little bit of a rough time. Sam Coffey started for the Thorns. Um, you know, she's not an attacking player, so it's not necessarily her job to score the goals. But, you know, whenever the team doesn't play well, when there's a Thorns player in there, it's always a little bit of a mm, concerning moment. But at the same time, it is cool to see, you know, the game, like you said, to see the rivalry game kind of been kind of like elevated yeah Fook I don't know if you how much of the game you were able to catch and we were on Timbers duty but how much you saw from from that game yeah I just realized the game was last night so I was like in and out of it um but see clearly we have no idea what day it is Alex thinks the Timbers game happened last night Fook thought it happened like yeah women's national team happened Saturday versus yesterday just okay that makes me feel better because I was letting you guys I was like okay it must have not been I don't know. Well, he's just cool, just letting us kind of being like, oh, yeah, these guys are stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these guys are dumb. No. Let the three cool. stooges say whatever. You know what? That's not a bad vibe for the podcast, if I'm being perfectly honest. Just kind of letting Alex, myself, and Fook just kind of run into rakes. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, Fook, go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think the U.S. has not been playing well this tournament. They haven't been playing well for a long time, so we won't really know what this team looks like until Emma Hayes takes over uh, after May. Sophia, yeah, I think a lot of it is rust, you know, for the players. You know, they didn't really have a true preseason, so it makes sense, uh, you know, catching up to their legs and everything like that. Nothing worked well yesterday. Mexico dominated from start to finish. They could barely complete passes together. 
midfield couldn't even connect to the forwards. Forwards, you know, couldn't hold the ball when they had the ball. Uh, you know, so even like these small chances that they had, just looks like they were just very like, just you did not look good, the to say the least. But the biggest thing with Concacaf for women's is Canada, and it's always the U.S. and Canada. So just kind of see, I thought Haiti would be the next team that came up. Honestly, they have like a really great youth program happening right now. Um, so I thought they were going to be the next big team uh, or to to challenge the top two. But seeing Mexico do this, uh, this is their second win in like 43 matchups. First time the U.S. has lost in California. So they've played like 50 games in California, I think, and they've never lost there. So, um, but yeah, no, this is huge for CONCACAF, I think. It's needed. It's good for the game. Um, and I know everyone's like, oh, the U.S. needs to win. No, they don't. They need to learn how to play football properly again because um, I think they don't have an identity anymore. Until they figure that out, it's going to be really ugly football. You know, They're going to win just because they have more talented players than most teams. But honestly, at this point, uh, I try to just get some positives from the game. And I think one of the cool things is a lot of players have gotten opportunities. We got to see Liv. Sam has been starting again, which is great. I think Sam's the only can get more comfortable. Sophia's been playing the nine for the most part. She's been playing a little out wide sometimes, but just kind of seeing her in that role and just trying to get more comfortable is important. But they have to learn how to use these players properly, and I don't think the coaches and are setting them up for uh, for success, more more failure, honestly. I know that's really harsh to say, but that's just what it looks like right now. I love when we get to women's national team talk with Fook because... You always got some fire in you, and I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, if you can't bring the fire of the national team on a podcast, what are we even doing here? <laughs> um, it, it's worth. Po- I I agree with everything you said. I think it is. It's we're in this weird kind of like lame duck period, knowing that Emma Hayes her season with Chelsea is winding down before she comes. I think the fact that Sam Coffey is starting games is significant. I think the fact that you know I think she's in that contention for kind of like the defensive midfielder pool. You know, she's not a complete player, but she's got time to develop it. And the fact that she's getting attention with the national team, Sophia Smith is still with the national team. You know, those will be two players that are right in the thick of it with the for the Olympic roster. Um, so, yeah, a lot more to see. The U.S. Women's National Team and Canada and Mexico, none of their journeys are done at the CONCACAF uh, W Gold Cup. We're entering the knockout round stages where shenanigans always happen because this is a CONCACAF tournament and because you never know what's going to happen and there'll be more uh, consequential games, which is really exciting. Hoping it doesn't go on for, you know, too long or that's not too strenuous because the thorn season is coming up here pretty soon, March 16th. We only got a few more weeks before women's soccer is back in the Rose City, which will be very exciting and very cool. Um, And we will all be there to cover it. We'll all be covering it, continuing to have all of the coverage of the Timbers and the Thorns on Stumptown Footy. It is wild to say, but an exciting time (laughs) for for soccer in the Rose City, right? Like the Timbers have, they're coming off a big win. The Thorns scene is ramping up. We have jerseys that are generating many opinions on the internet. We got players with the national teams. Um, It feels like kind of like the, the cold winter is thawing and we're finally getting into... Uh, finally get an exciting time for for soccer, which is really cool. I think that will just about do us. Do it for us. Do it for us. Yep, that'll sound great. Um, do it for us with this episode. Uh, turn over to final thoughts. Yeah, Fook, go ahead. Uh, here's my final thought. Uh, shame on you, Women's Sports TV, for uh, for showing your scheduled programming instead of the full uh, preseason game between the Thorns and the Wave. Um, we were trying to. I was trying to take some notes. I was trying to write a recap. 
for Stumptown Footy, but you said no, uh, you don't get to do that, and that's a shame. Um, but I'm excited for the season start, like everyone's bringing up, um, just because then we get full games. I don't think we have to worry about that anymore, which is good. Um, but yeah, just seeing the rookies out there for the first time was really cool. Shout out to Olivia Wade Katoa for scoring a preseason goal. Izzy DeQuiller, uh, who's who's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen uh, in women's football, uh, scored that goal. Um, and looking forward to her having a really cool season too. Um, but yeah, um, looking forward to the Thorns. And then just kind of the great vibes with the Timbers. Shout out to uh, Mr. Eric Williamson. Fun fact, posted, I think, a picture of Eric and Zach hugging. Zach said, uh, fun fact, Zach said his best friend on the team is Eric Williamson. So that's cool. Cool moment. That's, that's adorable. I love that so much. Right after we have the Eric and Kelly pod, we'll have the Eric and Zach pod. Um, oh. That'll be just seeding it out there if they're listening. And I know every single player, like they got this, they got this podcast playing in the locker room. Come on. Like, how can they not listen? Um, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thanks. Good shout out, Fook. Thanks for highlighting that with the um, preseason game that, it was very strange, and hopefully NWSL gets its stuff together and <laughs> proves it can be serious this year. Thank you for joining me for, for saying all those takes. Uh, thank you for joining me, uh, Alex Barnes. Final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. Um, very excited to see how the Timbers can build on that home opener. I think D.C. might be a little bit tougher a test than Colorado was, um, even though – they played for well the, new england got a red card in the 25th minute so i don't know how much you can take from from their opener but um yeah just looking forward to soccer season being upon us yeah new england coached by our old friend caleb porter will say um i saw a, a video of him kind of walking into the stadium he has aged <laughs> he looks he looks like he, he's gone through some stuff which to be fair, he kind of has going through a coaching stint in Columbus and come back to New England, which isn't in the you know most stable of situations at the moment um, with Bruce Arena kind of leaving rather abruptly. But, you know, all the best to him and to the Revs. And yeah, like you said, DC is going to be a tough test. Wild Ryson, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Final thoughts? Yeah, I guess... The Timbers got fireworks and stuff for their home opener. So I just hope the Thorns get something. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, other than that, I'm very excited for um, soccer season to, to kick off. I feel like it's when we have like the one sunny day after a bunch of rain. And it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to be happy. <laughs> so I feel when we have like, oh, soccer's regularly scheduled again. So I'm very excited for the seasons. This is what it feels like to be happy. That That is your your headline of the Portland Timbers game, first game, and from what it's like right now. That will do it for this episode of Stumptown Radio. As always, you can find all of our stuff on the site, stumptownfooty.substack.com. We so appreciate all of the support that we're continuing to get with both with the podcast and with the site. So thank you all so much for listening, for commenting, for subscribing. Hit us with your jersey takes. We got an article up <laughs> talking about it, so hit us with your takes. Thank you all so much. That'll do us for today. Talk to you around.